Hello and welcome to the Boot Room Podcast with me, Jamie Home. I hope you've all been keeping safe and well, looking after yourselves. We did hope to have a full house tonight, uh, but Christy, unfortunately, is on another flight. He's a busy man at the moment. So it's been left up to myself and Al to hold the fort again. So with that, Al, how are you, my friend? You well? I'm very well yourself, pal. Good, mate. Good. Uh, a little bit sore. I'm not going to lie to you. The, the mighty 35s team that I've been playing with, we, we we got another win at the weekend now. That's six out of six, but I'm not going to lie, mate. I'm walking like I'm tin man at this stage. I'm, <laughs> I'm not cut out for it anymore, mate. You're looking at Arsenal's target of the Invincibles. I think so. Do you know we've got we've got a few games left now because it's a shorter season than normal. Yeah, and uh, I'm not going to lie, we we want to make it. It's ten game season. We want to make it ten wins out of ten, mate. Uh, I, we're we're going to do it. <laughs> uh, but now, good mate. How, how about yourself? What you been up to? Not a great deal, pal. Jack was back at school today, so the missus went back last week. Um, she does a enjoying the piece. Well, she say peace. The little Frankie's taking a ball of time now, pal. He's two and got me everywhere, speaking, running around everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's not as easy when you, they don't stay in the position that you put them down in. No, no. You turn your head and they're up the walls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it, it's 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 weird because you look at look at football and at the moment, obviously, we've got no we've got no Premier League games. We've got no Champions League games. We're peppered with international football with the the latest round of the national games. <laughs> Is it just me, right? Or is international football incredibly boring? I tweeted about it, yeah. I think it was when England were playing. And, and I can hand on heart say now, I try and watch England as much as I can. When they're on, I think, right, come on, sit down. And I just find myself drifting and I'm on my phone. And I just can't, I can't watch it. I, it just does nothing for me. Um these internationals, what are going now? I mean, look at the time and what we've got on them. Why, why have they got international games now just before the season starting? It's just incredible. Um, I think international fixtures are gone, in my opinion, pal. See, this is the thing. You know, I look at it and, and I try to get invested. And now, you know, I'm, I'm living in, in Ireland now. So I kind of get behind Ireland as well as, as, as England. And I just, I watch two games and... I just found myself. It was the tempo was so slow. You know, the England game was was awful. Yeah. And as you said, there, if you're a club manager and you're looking at the timing of these games, the players aren't fit as it is. They had two weeks off. They're just starting to build a little bit of momentum and get some, um, you know, a, a bit of bit of minutes in the legs. And all of a sudden, in the middle of a pandemic, you're asking players to fly all over the globe. I think I think two City players have now tested positive for COVID. Uh, you know, if you're a club manager, you must be pulling your hair out at the time of this. It's just bizarre for me. I mean, as you say, they're coming towards the last week or 10 days of pre-season and all of a sudden you've got two international games. I mean, the thought processes, it, it, well, there can't be much thought process in it. Um, but as you got, you know, even tonight, I thought to myself, you know what, Italy are playing uh, the Netherlands. I'll have a, it'll be, it'll be a good game. I just couldn't even bring myself to turn it on. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm not. How do they fix it then, mate? Because, I mean, you you know, you look at them, there's lots of games, as you said there, you know, Italy-Holland, on paper, that looks fantastic. There's some great players on the pitch. Um, how do they, how do they try to fix this? I think that they've just got to make it, they've got to make the European Championships and the World Cup, that they, they just focus on them and just make it, you know, a, two quality competitions. You know, when you've got that, I mean, what is this tournament? What's it called again? The whole, Nations, yeah, the Nations League. Yeah, I mean, come on, who's interested in that? Seriously, 
everyone, you know, the World Cup, yeah, you can get hyped up. You want to watch the World Cup. You want to watch Brazil play at Colombia or, you know, England play Argentina. Yeah, they're the games where, you, you know, you'll sit down and you watch them. Absolutely no one's interested in this Nations League. You know, let's get it right, bollocks, because that's what it is. I mean, it's comical. Yeah, to be to be fair, I mean, you look at the standard of the the teams that they're playing against, and and this is one of the reasons why I think England, you know, they yeah they post all these fantastic scores, they don't concede goals, they hockey, they, you know, they they beat teams comfortably, but after teams they're playing a garbage, and then when they come up against decent teams, that's when they start to struggle. So I mean, as as players. Do you think that it still means as much to the players now to get called up to, to international duty or do you think that it could be an inconvenience to some but they, they just won't admit it? I think it's an inconvenience to them, you know, what they, what they wouldn't admit. I mean, you're you're telling me the likes of Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling want to be over in Iceland, stuck in a hotel. I mean, look, I, I've, I've been to Iceland when I was a coach of being in the 16s. There's not a great deal to do. Do you know what I mean? And I'm, sure, I'm sure you found stuff to do when you were over there, mate. No, clearly, there's not a great deal to do. Honestly, it's like there's nothing to do. So, you know, you, you must be looking at these big boys and, you know, Kane would be rather at Tottenham, stunning training facilities, getting himself prepared for the kickoff next week. Then stuck over in Iceland for the, and let's get it right, a completely and utterly meaningless game. Yeah, it was it, it was it was a tough watch, and I mean, you you led me nicely into the next topic, talking about staying in <laughs> staying in hotels. Do you like that, that little link there? Listen, that wasn't planned, <laughs> neither was it. <laughs> so yeah, one one story that's coming out today is that Mason Greenwood and Phil Foden allegedly brought girls back to the hotel. There's lots of videos that are doing the rounds that you, as always, mate, true to form, you sniff these videos out and send them on right away. First of all, you know, when you've seen this story breaking, what what were your thoughts? My thoughts were two 18-year-old kids who just made their debut for England. Um, personally, I think that maybe the FA in England could have done more to protect them, to make sure this doesn't come out. When you see the videos coming around, you can see it's kind of a setup. The, they, they should know better, but they are 18 years of age. One thing what I will say is that, I, you know, I, I was kind of of the opinion, give them a slap in the wrist and say, listen, that doesn't happen here. You're at two huge clubs and you're playing for your country. You've got a warning. What I didn't realise is that Foden's got a, a missus and a kid at home. But, you know, it's a little bit, but no one knows what's going on. You know, they might have went back to the room. We don't know. You know what I mean? But it it stinks. It, it smell, it's, to me, it smells of a little bit of a setup because you've seen these girls on their Instagram and all that palaver. And that's the issue nowadays. The game's totally, and life's totally changed because you can't, you can't see anything or do anything or speak to anyone without somebody videoing you on the phones. Yeah, can you imagine? You know, if the likes of Snapchat and Instagram would have been around back yeah. in your day, with, yeah. with all, and 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 this is the thing. Like you, you said it there, you know, lots happen on club trips that should be kept in house. Yeah. But the access that people have now to players, you know, one one mistake that could have quite easily been brushed under the carpet is now front page news. And I mean, there's some talk now, you know, I've been reading it online today that, you know, are there, are there England careers over? No. That's just nonsense. Surely that's a stretch. No, it, I mean, look, it's absolutely ridiculous. The, the two 18-year-old boys who, you know, Greenwood's a, a huge, huge talent. So was Folden. The two of them, are, you know, they've been touted up. The, the problem what we have in, in our country is we love putting these young kids on a pedestal, but we don't half love knocking them off it when they're up there. And look, they've made a mistake. Give them a slap. Get on with it. 
just get on with it. When when you were on trips away, you know, when it's uh, obviously away games, uh, pre-season, I mean, what, what type of rules and regulations? Because obviously at the moment in the current climate, they've obviously got to be more strict with the movements of the players. But, you know, back in your day and, and, and of those people that you know that are still in the game, what are the type of rules and regulations that clubs put in place with the players? Well, we had all the rules and regulations in place, you know, we, we... When we were, when I first went to Forest, we had Ali Bassett there. He was absolutely brilliant, and he allowed us to go out. When we used to go to Finland every year, I'm sure he used to get a backhander. We used to go to Finland every pre-season. We played the same. economy going. Yeah. <laughs> and we'd be, he'd say to us, "Go out after you know when you've trained or the games, have a few beers, no worries at all." But and he always said it, you will be running your bollocks off tomorrow morning. So that's up to you. And the players would go out. We'd have four or five pints and we'd get to bed because we know that, you know, the next morning he is running the bollocks off us. So yeah. it, it was kind of one of them where you didn't want to stay out really because you didn't want to throw up in the morning or be at the back because if you're at the back, you're getting nailed and you do more running. So it was kind of like, you know, give you enough rope. But we kind of knew, you know, knew the rules, you know, and I must say, even, you know, we used to fuck about Jamie and, you know, I used to wreck the hotel rooms out of boredom and everything, but, um, yeah, the, the problem with these lads have got now is, they, as I say, the camera phones and the Snapchat, all of these Instagram and fucking tic, TikTok and all that palaver, TikTok, <laughs> it's, it's everywhere and you can't move. And I, I seriously do think that these clubs are going to end up employing like an educational side of these players, how how to behave and what, what to do and what not to do. You know, you, you make a point there, and this is me, you know, coming from me, somebody who who's made a career in working in social media, but, you know, surely it's going, there's going to become a point where for players, it just makes more sense for them to stay out of the public eye, stay within a, a small circle of people, don't even go on, on Instagram and the likes. You know, you've seen things, you know, Wilfred Zahar talking about the abuse that he gets on social media. You know, it's, it's such a, big side of the game now that yeah. you know when you were playing it was you know if you had a bad game you you didn't really hear that much about it you got a bit of a grumble at the stadium and your manager would give you a bollock and but other than that you know you could dust yourself off either way for the week and you'd be fine whereas you know I, I use an example young lad playing for Liverpool at the moment Nico Williams who's been deputising for um, for Trent while he's been been away he had a couple of iffy games during pre-season and I've seen people online giving him dogs abuse, writing him off as a player, and he's what eighteen years of age. Yeah. What could that do, you know, mentally for a young player? Who, as you said, you know, clubs need to do more to protect them. Surely, I do think there needs to be some sort of education stuff and stuff like that. Because as you say, Nico Williams is get the kids getting hammered for having a couple of bad games in preseason. I mean, come on, really? Um, and it's the abuse side of it. Now, look, it's a, it's a difficult one because the players, the, the, you know, the top, top players can earn absolutely millions. I mean, is it Ronaldo gets about 650,000 quid per Instagram post for advertisement. So, you know, you can use it as to generate an income and all of that. But on the flip side, it does. Me personally, I do think a lot of these social media sites, I mean, I get a load of stick on there. Twitter, if I'm running a service and you've got idiots who make up false accounts and have a go at you and make up false allegations and all this palaver. I do think the social media side of stuff should. Instagram, I don't really know how to use Instagram or Facebook. I'm not clued up. I'm, you know, Twitter. I do think that if you were, if you were opening a social media account like that, well, then you should have to give forms of identification 
You know, maybe yeah. your driver's license or your birth certificate or the home address, something to say, I'm a real person. And if I'm abusing you racially or whatever way you were, you, you know, you're getting these type of abuse, but then it's easy to go right there. He is, that's him, such and such. He lives here, go and do something about it. And I do think it could solve a hell of a lot of problems with this online, you know, nonsense what you see. Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, I, I, I worked at Twitter for three years, so I kind of seen the, you know, behind the scenes of what goes on. And, you know, they, they have a, a whole team that is that is monitoring the type of conversations. And, you know, there's only so much that, that, that people can do. And I, I think with that in mind, you know, so, it's so easy for somebody to create seven or eight accounts. You put a stock image up. You pretend to be someone else. You yeah. have an, a, a picture that isn't a real person. Um, you know, there's no form of identification, and it's so easy now for people to just put say and and do whatever they want with yeah. no repercussions whatsoever. Whereas what they should be doing, if they really wanted to clean up the, the standard of conversation, is you sign up. It's 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 real forms of identification yeah. that is verified before before you sign up, um, and at least that way. Then I mean, I I love the access that you can get to players now. You know, yeah. I, I remember when when Liverpool won the league. You know, you were seeing players sharing their stories and content and whatever, and it, it just I was up until the all hours watching it, but. The more and more abuse that you send players, I mean, I, I, coming on to our next topic, which is transfers, and it's linked, right? So you, you get it nowadays that fans seem to like transfers more than they do the football. And, you know, clubs will be putting out general messages related to stuff they've done in the community. It could be related to a, a, any different part of, of, of the club. Yet all the comments will be littered about this player's shite, this player's shite, yeah. we need to sell him, we need to buy him. And, I, you know, if you're a player that's been playing for a club for four years and put in a good shift, and all of a sudden it looks like the fans have turned on you and they want you out because they want the new shiny thing. Yeah. Again, it's just another example of the mentality of fans online that represents a very small proportion of club fan bases. You know, it just it just creates a real negative, toxic environment for me. But this is the thing about with the so and, and the, the stupid comments and you know, but what's stopping a Manchester and listen, I'm not saying, but what I'm you know, I'm just taking Man United as an example. What's stopping a Man United fan or an Everton fan or a Man City fan setting up an account on Twitter as a Liverpool fan and absolutely abusing, say Mo Salah, yeah, and Mo Salah sees that now. You know what I mean? This this is what you this is what I mean. He could be thinking the fans are turning on me. I, I, you know, I'm onto my agents. Maybe I should get out of here. Yeah, because and this is this is what people forget. We're humans at the end of the day. Of course you are. You know, you know, and 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 it doesn't matter what what career you're in. I mean, you you spoke about your career at length, and uh, you know, and what's involved, and and the, the the tough aspects mentally that you've got to deal with. You know, you you catch a player on a bad day, and it could just take one message, and it just yeah. you know, it, it could affect their performance. And and, and I, I think you're right. I think it's got to start from a young age. I think you have got to educate players, and I think you spoke. About about wanting to do this, go into clubs, go into clubs and speak to young players about you know whether it's investments, how to use your money. Yeah. You know, you've got the social media aspect. I know that a lot of them will go through media training, and that's why you get a lot of footballers giving stock answers. But at the same time, you know, there's so many pitfalls now that young players can fall into. Um, in what's only a short career, yeah. Surely we've got to be wrapping, particularly, you know, the big stars that have huge futures. You've got to be wrapping them up in cotton wool. Not too, but there's the thing, though, Jamie, about the media training. The media training doesn't tell you how to deal with abuse. It doesn't tell you how to mm. deal with, you know, I mean, some of the comments. 
was it was it Ian Wright? Now I played with Ian Wright, and he is an absolute top top fella. And I remember him posting about the abuse that he got, and it ended up being a fourteen year old kid. And you're like, really? Yeah. Now there's the being like you know getting taught in the media and become media savvy. It doesn't it doesn't tell you how to deal with the you know some of these vile individuals. I mean, here's a quick example of me personally. As you know, I run a tipping service. I put a tip out there. A couple of bad runners and. Someone set up an account, called me daughter a slag, and said, uh, the son's not even this. Jesus. Now, that's because a horse lost. Yeah. Now, can you imagine if me, if me lad or me, me daughter seen it, but can you imagine, you know, if our Jack seen that, he'd be like, what? You know, someone just putting utter nonsense out over a horse what lost. Yeah, and, and and you know, young impressionable people. It puts yeah. even if it puts a, a small seed of doubt yeah. in his head. You know, the poor yeah. kid, like it's horrible. Exactly. But I think, but I think you know, without getting too deep into, it, I think this is the state of the world now, mate. I mean, but as I said, but there's there's no, there's no repercussions for these people. You wouldn't dream of saying anything of that sort to somebody's face. Whereas, oh, you know, everybody's brave behind the keyboard. Well, and this is I, I just think these big companies, and I do think it should come from the government, where they should just say, right, if you want to go to Twitter and say this is what you've got to do, Facebook, this is what you've got to do. All of these accounts have to be verified, and you'll have a cleaner, much better, much nicer social media. So to play devil's advocate, as I usually like to do, right? I agree with you, but what I would say again, having having worked at Twitter and without hanging myself too much, I think one of the beauty, one of the best things about Twitter is that people can engage in conversation in a kind of fearless way without quoting, you know, company talk. You know, you want people to engage with all different types of people and give opinions fearlessly. In an ideal world, respectfully, maybe that's idealistic, but you know, respectfully, and engage in different types of conversations. If every single person on Twitter is fully verified, let's say you are a senior executive of a, of a company, and you have opinions behind, let's say, pick an example, Brexit. Mm-hmm. Are you, as a CEO of a company, if you've had to tell everybody who you are, where you work for, whatever it may be, are you going to be as willing to share your views on Brexit, which could in theory alienate your staff, could alienate people that you could potentially do business with? Because everything is so black and white in today's age. You've got to pick a camp. If you if you're Brexit, uh, you know if you, you you know if you're anti-vaccine, if you are wear a mask, don't everybody's got opinions. So I, I think there's an element of needing to tread carefully and I agree that there has to be some type of verification process so that you are easily identifiable for, let's say, the police or, or the, 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 the social media site themselves. But at the same time, we need to keep an environment where people can still feel they can get themselves involved in different type of topics that might be divisive, but still continue that conversation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. But, you know, I, I get that. But I can honestly hand on heart say, now, if I had to verify my account, send me passport, my driver's license, my home address, it would not change what I post on Twitter. Not true. It wouldn't change what I post. Now, if I, if, if I was a racist, horrible, weird, homophobic fella who puts out scandalous, stupid remarks hid behind a false image... Well, then it's going to change what I'm going to post if I have to verify it. I called, you know, I was on, I seen something what um, Marcus Ratchford uh, wrote something about and then some uh, with David Vance or something. Have you seen his comment today? And I just put, you are a C-U-N-T. 
Now, whether my account was verified but or not, I would still wrote the same thing because his comments were disgraceful. And I just yeah. think, look, it's freedom of speech, Twitter. It's it's brilliant. But it, it, I just still think it gives that small 2% of idiots, these trolls, to abuse whoever they want to behind a mask. And I just don't think it's right. But... No, I I agree with you, and I, and I do think you know some, something's got something's got to happen because all that's good on Twitter has there's a risk of it changing dramatically if something isn't done. Yeah. Um, you know, we've we've been given access to to people that we never you know in a way that we, we never had before. Whether that's you know um, the leaders of the leaders of the world, whether that's yeah. you know um, you know people with real decision making power, sports teams, entertainment stars, all these people that were so um uh, you know we weren't connected with them in any way, and now we have unbelievable access to yeah. to their lives, their thoughts. But that can be taken away in an instance if we, if we don't get control of it. Yeah, true. I agree with that. So next up on the agenda. So as I said, there's there's lots of transfer news doing the rounds at the moment. We're we're absolutely in the midst of silly season where fans seem to want to prefer transfer news to actual football. I am honestly convinced that a lot of fans on football uh, of, of football teams nowadays will just want any new player. Doesn't matter who. They just want something new to shout about. Um, so with that in mind, the main talking point over the last couple of weeks and. I know. Imagine our shock that Messi is now staying at Barcelona. I think we, I think we called it on a previous podcast. We did. You know, it was a very, very public back and forth with the club. Is it? Is it just me? I tweeted something last week. I think is it just me or does does Messi come out of this looking a little bit like he's threw his toys out of the pram and and maybe looks a little bit bad? Yes and no. Yeah, because I think if you're looking at him and what he's done and what he's worn and how he's done it and his numbers are just, you know, we could talk about his numbers all year. Um, I think he he deserves to play in a better team and be at better surroundings than what he's got there at the minute. Um, But it's one of them. No, no, you know, I've always had the saying there's no one player bigger than the club, but he, he almost is. Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it, it's difficult. We're not talking about. I mean, I always, I we had this thing with Pierre. I know you don't. We spoke about in the pod before when you know Pierre and striking. It was a disgrace. You know, no one's bigger than the club. But this is messy, and you just kind of think. You know, you look at some of Barcelona's signings and the kind of backward signings, aren't they? And you can't see where they're progressing. And you know. They go. They actually go to Messi and you know for advice. And I think he told them not to sign Griezmann, and they went and spent 108 million of him. Probably blew all of the budget on him, and he's been a huge flop. And I just think he must. He's looking at players coming in, and thinking that you know they're nowhere near the level what they should be. Bear in mind, he's you know he's had Xavi and he has to the poo all the players he's played with is off the charts, and you, he must be looking around the dressing room and thinking it's so bad it's untrue. Yeah, he's a, look, he's a, he's at the twilight of his his yes, career now. Yes. We, he's not he's not going to be around forever, and I think I, I think he's probably been hurt badly. And I think he spoke about this publicly on numerous occasions by the Roma results. So Barcelona yep. folding in the Champions League, then there was Liverpool, and then it's it's happened against Bayern Munich, and they are three fixtures. You know he's he's an elite footballer. He he wants to win the biggest prizes and compete. And in in his latest um, 
press release, he spoke about wanting to compete. He's not even saying about winning. He just wants to be in a position with his team to compete for the biggest honours. And, and Barcelona, for whatever reason, seemed to have it within them that they would fold. They, they, they had a soft underbelly. And I think you look at him now, I, I think he could have gone about it a better way. Yeah. But at the same time, when the best player in, that's ever lived wants to leave a football club he's been at all his life, is there a, is there a, a right way to do it? I'm, I'm not necessarily sure. What, what I would say, and I'd love to get your thoughts on, is at Barcelona now, you look at this, they're talking about 700 million that has to be spent to, to get him away from the club. Yeah. Now, as a club that wants to buy him, what would represent good value for money if you get, what, two, three years out of him? What what would be good returns? So that's seven hundred million before you've even paid his wages. How how can you possibly justify that cost? That you can't justify that cost, and no matter you know, if this was if this was seven years ago, well then you'd say, look, we have to do something somehow to get this player in because he will give us eight to nine years of sheer brilliance. But he's thirty three. Mm. Now, look, I'm not saying that he won't come to the Premier League and blow it to, to pieces because he's, he's, he is incredible and he most probably would. But that's the issue. He most probably would. I'm not too sure he'd score 50 goals in the Premier League. In fact, I'll go as far as to say he wouldn't score 50 goals in the Premier League like he does year and year out in the Liga. And do you think as well, I mean, imagine you paid that amount of money and he broke down in the first season. Like there's so there's so much risk attached to that that I kind of look at it and I think from a footballing sense, look, he's he's a genius. He's 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 going to give you moments that you'll never forget as a fan. But it's gonna to be tough for him, as you rightly say, I, I agree with you, to reach the levels that he's set, which are unrealistic. We've we've spoke about this before. It's it's freakish. Yeah. It's not sustainable. Um but what I would say is for a club, you know, let's say, let's be honest, it's Manchester City or PSG. They're the clubs that can, they're the only club that can afford him. Is it a PR play? You know, like in the way that with Pogba, you know, you, you buy him, you bring him in, you sell, um, uh, you know, tons of shirts, you recoup a load of money. Is, is, would that be a big part in the decision-making process? Well, see, this is, this is the other thing as well. No disrespect to PSG or Man City. They're not global brands. They're not. It's a fact. They're not a global brand. If it was a Manchester United, a Real Madrid, a Barcelona, where he already is, a Liverpool, you know, these are global brands. The likes of Man City, you know, with all the money what they've got, the, the simple fact of the matter is they are not a global brand. They're not. And neither is PSG. You know, what I would say, if you went to PSG, you would score 50 goals in the season there. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a lesser league than the Premier League. You know, PSG don't come up against, if you like, a Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace, you, you know yourself, you can go to Crystal Palace where and get turned over as a Liverpool or Man City. It, it's a fact. PSG will not go to God knows who and get turned over. It just doesn't happen in that league. So yeah. I do think if you went to that league, he would hit the heights. But the only way that you, you, you will never, ever get your money back to what you pay for them. It'd just be a, an ego massage for the the owners of Man City and Paris Saint-Germain to say, we bought Messi, in my a power play. A power play, yeah. This is what we can do because we can. 
So then if you flip it, if you flip the coin and you don't look at it from, from a Messi perspective, let's say you look at this from a Barcelona perspective and as an outsider looking in, I'm looking at Barcelona and they're in heaps of trouble. There's a, there's a total rebuild needed, a restructure at the club from top to bottom. Surely, yes, Messi is, is incredible, but this gives them a perfect opportunity. Even if they did a cut price deal, if you want to call it that, for 450 million. You know, you said to Manchester City, take him now for 450 million. You can go out and again, sorry to use Liverpool as an example, but it's one that's fresh in my mind. You know, we were able to to pull Barcelona's pants down for Philippe Coutinho and bring in two players that I would go as far to say have transformed Liverpool in a way that no other signings have done before yeah. in Virgil van Dijk and, and, and Alisson. Alisson. They've gone and bought the best two players in their position in the world and Liverpool went from having a leaky defence what had been probably for the last 20 years to having one of the best defence in Europe and all of a sudden we're winning loads of silverware. Barcelona have the opportunity to go new uh, new central defenders, new spine. Uh, we can we can change our attack. Go buy whoever you want. You've got the money to do it. Surely as a business, you must be looking at that going, this is our one chance to try and rebuild here. Yeah, but I just feel, I think the issue what Barcelona would have Say, for instance, they got, I don't think anyone had to pay for it. It's just call, just say, call a 400 million then. Now, your pulling power's gone. Why are you signing for Barcelona? Because all of a sudden, Suarez is gone. Rakitic is gone. And if you if you are a top, top player, say a Mo Salah, for instance, and Barcelona said, right, we want Mo Salah. I'm not too sure it's an attractable proposition. Without those players around without, you. Without those players around you, because all of a sudden you're going in and one of the best players is the young kid, Amar Fati at the minute, who scored for Spain the other night, didn't he? Yeah. He's 17. Yeah. And then you're looking at the back line, you're thinking, oh, PK, he's, he's way, way past his best, never been a huge he's, fan. He's already said, his, he's held his hands up and said yeah. he's happy to leave. Yeah. yeah. So all of a sudden you're looking at it and you're going, oh, hang on a minute. You know, Frank de Jong's gone in there and he was... This he was the greatest defensive midfield player in world football. He's had an absolute disaster. Yeah. So you look at the team and you're thinking, you know, whereas Liverpool, Liverpool got the big money and you go, Virgil van Dijk's looking going, yeah, they've got Salah, Firmino, Mane. That's frightening now. They've got a powerhouse midfield. They're going to sign this keeper. Yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Yeah. You know, there's already a foundation at Liverpool. I think Barcelona is in serious, serious trouble. And let's be honest, Messi's realistically said he's staying for one more season and then he's off. So it's not like, you know, it's not like all the problems have have, have been solved. It's pretty much just a case of lifting up the carpet, sweeping up the, you know, sweeping things under it yeah. and, and hoping for the best. I mean, you look at Philip Coutinho there. I mean, how bizarre is this? The record signing, £150 million and he won the Champions League on loan at Bayern Munich. Rocks back up to pre-season training with his Champions League yeah. medal around his neck. And now he's been told that he's an integral part by the new manager. I mean, you know, as as Philip Coutinho must be sitting there thinking, are these, are these really at this Barcelona? But you know, you make a good point there, Al, right? And this is, this is the other part of this whole nonsense that's played out in the public eye. Is Ronald Koeman, you know, like him, like him or not, he's come in and he's tried to lay down the law, which is, which is, probably what needs to happen at that club. Yeah. And he's, you know, it's a big risk, but he's turned around to Messi and said, if you read between the lines, look, you've had it easy. If you want to be here, great. If you don't, then, you know, we're not going to, not going to mollycoddle you. We need to change some things around here. Now, that's the part of the Messi thing that I'm like, oh, you know, 
just because he's not going to have it his own way, he's like, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not getting involved in, in, in this now. I mean, Kuman's trying to, trying to build a team. I, I think rightly he's turned around to Coutinho and said, I want to, I want you to be a, a, a key part of the team. Because to be honest, Phil Coutinho, and I stand by this to this day, is one of the most gifted players I've yeah. ever seen yeah. play, play in the Premier League. Yeah, he's, he's an incredible footballer. He just, again, it's, it's weird when you go to those two big clubs in Spain. I, mean, I seen a video the other day on Twitter. Uh, it was Ronaldo playing for Madrid. They're the same. You know, whether it's the white flags are out or they're whistling, and you know it, you, you're not allowed to have a bad game. Yeah. Ronaldo whips one into the top. He, he, he messed up a pass and they started whistling, and then he gets the ball thirty seconds later and pings it in the top corner and puts yeah. his, his hands up to this. It's it's a different breed of fan there. And Coutinho, for whatever reason, don't know don't know enough about it to to, to understand it, but wasn't given a fair crack. There's rumours now that Koeman's looking to get um, uh, Ginny Wijnaldum. He's going to play him with De Jong, and that's going to be you know the, the spine of his team. Very technical Barca type players. You know he's got he's obviously got an idea, but Messi has has clearly looked at this and went, hold on, he isn't going to give it my all way. I'm out of this. Yeah. Well. <laughs> It's a difficult. It's it's a horrible one for Cumin. It's a lose lose, isn't it? Because he, he could have went in and said to Messi, "Look, just carry on doing what you're doing." And, and but then he's kind of going against what, all of his beliefs. And I just don't think he, he can you go into a Leon Messi who's done what he's done and just say to him, "Listen, you know, you're either work or you're out." Yeah, I just don't. There is there's players. Nearly every player in, in uh, every club, you can go in and say, "Listen." It's not working. You either do it this way or you're gone. But I just feel, I, I personally feel, Leon Messi's the one player who you can't say that to. So he can do what he wants, in effect. Yeah, but what he does is win games and score 700 goals. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So, so I suppose on another side of the, the transfer sagas that are going on at the moment, another club that seems to be doing some some business and intent on doing more is, is Manchester United. Uh, Donny van der Beek has come in. I think he's a good player. 40 million deal looks looks a, a very solid deal. You've got rumours of Sancho still potentially coming in. They seem on paper to be doing decent business, but I mean, we've spoke about this privately in the WhatsApp. You know, the, the big worry for them has got to be you know they're offering serious wages. You look at Dean Henderson, six-year deal, hundred and twenty grand a week. Yep. I mean, you you've been very vocal towards in, in in what that would cause. You know, within the dressing room when they're dishing out those type of contracts, it it, it surely wouldn't end well. Well, I just said to presidents that, that now any young kid who does well is going to go and is going to go and get hundred and twenty grand a week. The young left back signed one for the, he's on nearly he's on nearly the same money as Trent and Robbo put together. Mm. Now, he, he's not a bad player, but that's it. That Brandon Williams, he's just not a bad player. He will never be a Manchester United regular. Never. Never in the month of Sundays. But Man United said, right, he's come in, he's done well, he's played a few games, bang, there you go, 100 grand a week. So, it's just, you, you're setting the bar now that if you get a Man United's team as a young kid, well, you're going to get 100 grand a week. I mean, let's think about this. It's 100 grand a week. Come on. Yeah. You've got to do something for that. You've got to be... You've got to be a top player, you know. You've got to be one of the top players, in my opinion, to be earning that sort of money. Not just a young kid who's coming through injuries like Brandon Williams, done well. Yeah, he has done well. Don't get me wrong, he's done well, but I'll tell you what, he wouldn't get, he wouldn't, in my opinion, he's not even a top 10 championship fullback. 
Yeah, the, the, the challenges with United, and I think they started this with the Sancho deal, yeah. uh, not Sancho, Sanchez. Yeah. Um, you know, they they draw a, a line in the sand, drew a line in the sand where they said, right, we're prepared to pay the big bucks. And what that does is, you know, you look at his return, I think, it, I think he scored two goals or whatever it was in his time. You know, how, how if you're sat in the dressing room and you're a player that's contributed massively over the course of a season and you're looking at the guy sat opposite you who doesn't, doesn't give a bollocks, doesn't train right, doesn't play, and he's on five times as much as you, it's not going to be long before you're knocking on the manager's door. And then, you know, you're looking, as you said there, the young players who have made an impact. So you're looking at the likes of Marcus Rashford. You're looking at Mason Greenwood, who looks an ex- exceptional talent. Uh, you know, and even if it's not in their nature, to, to to knock on the manager's door, their agents will be in their ear. They listen to telling them to be telling them. That, see the issue what you've got now is Rashford's on about three hundred grand a week. He signed a new deal last season but he was you know and Man United were desperate to keep him. There's a few little whispers that, you know, the big clubs are looking at him. I like Rashford. I do think he's a top player, but he's on reportedly £300,000 a week. So you can guarantee your bottom dollar because last season when Holly Gunnar Solskjaer was saying that Martial is the best number nine in the league his agency would be going, ah, okay, so he's the best number nine in the league. Would you better pay him like one? So yeah, next, let's draw comparisons with what the others are on. Rashford's on 300 grand a week. We want 300 grand a week to bring on the level with him. Okay, no problem. We'll give you that. And then you've got the big fella behind you, Pogba, who you know I'm not a big fan of. I think he's got everything, but it's just he's not my type of player. He's going to be sitting there and going, well, hang on a minute. I'll have a new deal, but I'm twice the player of them to have won World Cups. I want 600 grand a week because Sanchez is on 500. And then all yeah. of a sudden, you've got the guy who's now possibly going to be number two on 300 grand a week. You could be sitting on a bench. Where does it end? Yeah, that, that, that's one that do, doesn't make sense to me. You know, I, I think, you know, you're, it's not, keepers are different. It's not like, you know, look at yourself. It's you, you know, you came in, Stuart Pierce was there, you know, you were bringing, you were brought in to, to kind of replace him or, or be his understudy and then take, you know, he show you the mantle, whatever it was. But there's two of you competing for the spot. You know, you, you know, your place in the, in the pecking order. It's you or him, but you're both going to get game time whilst that was decided. With goalkeepers, it's totally different. You have to pick a goalkeeper. You can't be changing him every few games. So I look at that. You know, you've got David De Gea, who, you know, for a couple of seasons there was 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 the best in the league, arguably best in Europe, I would yeah, say. Yeah. Uh, he's, 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 he's fell off dramatically, I, I would say, over the last couple of seasons, which has obviously brought about this situation. But you look at Henderson coming in, you're not paying a keeper that much money to sit him on the bench. What does that then say to David De Gea, who will have influence in the dressing room? He's a senior figure in the dressing room. He's got the respect of the players because he's won a lot of trophies. Surely that's going to create a difficult environment and David De Gea is not going to be happy and that will fester in the dressing room. Well, I see. I think the other way, I think that they've just given this Dean Henderson 120 grand a week to keep him happy. I can't see them not playing David De Gea. You can't pay a goalkeeper that much. What Oli Solskjaer should have done was just have, could have a set of bollocks and just went, right, I don't fancy you as a keeper, David De Gea. You can yeah. go. You can go, but make it clear. Just say, listen, he's been unbelievable servant. He's dipped in the last, and he may just need, just put it out there as like, you know, he may need a change of scenery. Put the seed in the player's head and tell the player. I'm bringing him in as number one, but I think they've done the opposite. I think they've just basically said to Henderson, listen, we see you as the future. We're going to give you a monster, monster deal and you're just going to sit there and be happy. And if he does make a mistake, we throw you in. Yeah, 120 grand a week. is There's a lot of money to be having a lad on the bench. Well, listen, I know, but... 
they've, they've got a, they've had Sanchez on on loan paying you know, David still paying nearly four hundred grand of his wages while he's been on loan. So I don't really yeah. concern them, but I just look at Man United's finances and just think, you know, you look, you go through the team, what the players are in, and then you think, Jesus Christ, how is this, how, how is this sustainable? You, you just, you, you can't pay this out surely, and you know, still make money. It's it's funny you should say that, and again, this kind of brings us to 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 our last topic. Which, if you look at the way that Manchester United are run, and you know they're not afraid to splash the cash, and I would say carelessly in 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 some cases, then you look at the the noise coming out of the Liverpool camp at the moment, which would say that it appears they have to sell if they want to buy. Now that could be a combination of a couple of things: the finances, COVID. There's also, which I was only made aware of a couple of weeks ago, the uh, the quota for for homegrown and foreign players. I think Liverpool are at capacity for the number of foreign players they can have in a squad. So, yep. if they want to bring, let's say, a Thiago in, they have to get rid of a, a foreign-born player. Um, but you know, when you look at Liverpool and the way that they ran, FSG are notoriously cautious. They certainly don't overpay. Uh, unless they, they think there's a huge sell-on value in, included in any potential deal. You know, in the absence of being bankrolled the way that the likes of Chelsea are, City are, are Liverpool right to try and operate within their means rather than taking out big loans? The likes of, you know, like we say, Manchester United, Tottenham have taken out big loans. There's rumours that, that, that Everton have done the same. They're now spending some cash. Do you think that Liverpool are right to do it this way, or do you think that being this cautious is going to come back and bite them on the ass? No, I don't. I think, I mean, for me personally, I mean, I read some of the stuff like yourself on Twitter, and you just find it disbelief. It's like, it's like the the transfer season is more important than the actual season. Liverpool swept everyone aside in the last twelve months. Absolutely everything aside, everyone aside. Now, go back two or three years ago when. Liverpool lost the key player nearly every single season. We always lost the key player. But the, next, the last two or three seasons, we've we've extended all of the key players, like your Mane's, your Salah, your Firmino's. I don't see any of these signings, what all of these clubs have made, is going to close the 18-point gap. Or say, not close, it, it will close it, but they won't overtake us. I just don't see it. I see Liverpool getting stronger. I'm being honest with you. I do think that he, he will eke some more improvement out of them. Just half a percent from each player, I think we will improve. We haven't seen the best of uh, Minamino, and we, uh, who looks incredible this pre-season. And I still think that uh, Naby Keita, I'm hoping that this season is his season. Um, Liverpool's cycle has got another 12 months for me. I think that we, we have a rebuild coming with the front three. That's, that's my only issue. Because they're all becoming, they're all 28, 29 years of age. And I think the recycle and the rebuild and the thought has got to, we've got to start making signings, huge signings from next summer for me. I'm not bothered if we don't sign anyone this summer. If we get Thiago, great. We've had a conversation about that. Where does he fit in? But you try and fit a world class player in. And I do think we get him, by the way. Do you you not think, though, that. And I, I agree with you. For what it's worth, I agree with you. I think this team has one one more year in its development. I think it's I think it's nigh on impossible to show improvements in terms of the league, what was de- delivered in the league last year. I think that's it's 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 incredible what what was done. I do I do still think Liverpool will be challenging right at the top for for the title, but I think that they'll they'll put up a better fist of of, of the domestic cups and and hopefully the Champions League. I think for me. I, I'm worried that it's very difficult to get 
the same group. So the, the front three. So you look at Liverpool's front three. We've we've been so I don't want to say lucky with injuries because we have had injuries, but you know a serious injury to 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 the front three. You know the the likes of a Van Dyke, for example, and and things can change quite dramatically. I just think it's such a big ask for us to say to that front three, go out again and deliver the same numbers, the same high intensity, the same way of playing. And I, I, the worry that I have. And I haven't actually said this out loud yet, so I'm going to have to stand by it now. With with Klopp's teams, and we saw this particularly with Dortmund, I think they have a shelf life in that he demands so much of them and everyone is so in tune to what, what his philosophy, his belief system, the way that he wants the game to be played. They, they will run through walls for him. But there becomes a point where you can only run people so much and there's going to be a little bit of a drop-off and I just, I seen something with Carragher and Neville the other day and something they said stuck with me. I don't think Liverpool need major surgery, but I don't want people getting comfortable. And although I think the mentality of this, the, the Liverpool squad is very strong, Fergie always used to do this for United. He wouldn't go breaking the bank with his team that had you know, done the clean sweep the season before, bring in one or two players, elite players, to make the rest of them go, oh shit. That'll light a fire up up their ass. So I just, I don't think Liverpool need major surgery. I think they need some signings to to give us more depth to compete across all the trophies. But just one one player, the likes of as we said, a Thiago, just to shake it up a little bit, just keep people on the toes, and 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 somebody that's going to come in, make an immediate impact, and allow the rest of the squad to learn from what would be a, a truly world class player. See, yeah. I- I agree with all of what you're saying. I do think Thiago will happen. I think that's 99.9% done, in my opinion. I just think it, I think that will happen, and that will give a lift to them all. Um, I understand what you're saying about the front three, but what you've got to take into account, Jamie, is from February up until July, no one kicked the ball. No one kicked the ball. Mm. So they've, they've had an unbelievable rest. So I personally think that they, uh, they'd be absolutely bursting to go. He'd be best mm. to go and play, play the Premier League games again. And just on your point of the front three, we say this all the time. Not, you know, I say every Liverpool fan says it all the time, but what if they get injured? They don't. They don't. Yeah. The stats are there. You look at the whole of Mane's career, you look at the whole of Salah's career, you look at the whole of Firmino's career, they don't miss games. They don't miss games. So it's, all us we're asking, basically all us we're asking to do is just to just, do what you normally do and play week in, week out, because that is what they do. Next season, it's a different kettle of fish for me, because I do think we will lose a Salah. Um, and I th- I'm hoping that's when we uh, bring the likes of um, Sancho in. Yeah, you, you were told a little bit of information yeah. a while back, weren't you? Yeah. That, that that was that was looking likely for next season yeah. that we get some type of pre-contract yeah. in and, and he'd come in when one of the big boys went. Yeah, it was always the plan to get him in next season. Now, no Man United had thrown, but... If you want to play it that, that bad, just just go and you know, just pay it. If you, if you want them that bad, you know, that's what Bruce Dortmund is saying. If you want them, give us 105 million, he's yours. Yeah, make it happen. Yeah, and you know, I just don't understand. If you if if you want it and you've got it, pay it. Dortmund are sitting there with the legs open, say, yeah, 105 grand, and you come. I think I might use that as a name as the podcast. What was that? If you want it and you've got it, come get it. Is that what it was? that what you said? That I'm going to use that as the name of the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Though, I mean, if, if Man United won Sancho, Dortmund stole him. This is what you've got to pay us. Okay. So why haven't mm. you done it? If they're that desperate for him, pay it. 
It's certainly going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Because and and you know, as a, a, a the neutral fan, you know, there's there's lots of quality coming into the Premier League, which is going to be really exciting. I'm I'm, I'm excited to see how, get the games back up and running and, and see how it all plays out. The one thing that interests me is you know the lack of fans, and you know from a Liverpool fan's perspective, there's no club that plays off the emotion of the fo- uh, the football stadium more than Liverpool. So it'll be interesting to see how teams cope with that. My my honest gut feeling is the top sides will will be much harder to beat without the the emotion in the stadiums. And I think you might get a lot less shock results, but it's certainly been interesting to see how it plays out. Well, one of the lads who, uh, not to say one of the lads, one of the fellas, he's a, a businessman. He pays over 16 grand a season for two tickets at Liverpool. And, um, you know, he's got like, the full package, the food and all that, everything. Um, and he, he was messaging me the other day, said he's had a, an email often to say that there'd be uh, 25 to 35 capacity in October. That's the aim, yeah. That, uh, but only for, yeah, so that would make sense to what I heard, which is it's for the for the top paying customers yeah. Yeah. that would, would, would get first refusal, which is going to gonna cause some ructions because how are you going to give access to other people? But at least we're getting some people into stadiums, which I think yeah. is what we all want. Exactly, yeah. You know, you're getting 25, 35% and it's better than nothing, isn't it? Exactly, and it's it's a step closer to getting some scrap of normality back. Um, now, with that, mate... Just we, just for the change, what's your thoughts on Rodriguez at Everton? Yeah, that broke tonight, didn't it? Um, yeah, my honest opinion, I think the Blues are looking to do some good business, to be honest. I think the, the lads that they brought in in centre midfield, Alain from Napoli, uh, Decore from Watford, I think that's two super signings. Um, I think that's exactly what Everton need. The James one is interesting because... He hasn't played much football. Um, he's undoubtedly talented, but it's been a while since you've seen him reach any type of of, of uh, level that we we know he can produce. I think what it does do it puts Everton on the map. He's a he's a, a massively popular footballer with huge global appeal. And like you said before, you know if you're a, a player, a European footballer or a, a world footballer that's looking at his next move, Carlo Ancelotti picks up the phone. And he starts talking to you about his plans, and he talks telling you about the team. It makes Everton a lot more of an appealing option if you've got the likes of a James in the side. So, I, I'm interested to see how he does. To be honest, um, I, I, I'm in a w- weird kind of way. I'm not one of these Liverpool fans that wants Everton to do bad. I think it's good for the city if two teams are doing well, as long as Liverpool are doing better. Um, I think it's going to be a big ask for him to come in and make a massive impact given he's not played much game, you know, he's not had much game time and the Premier League is so intense. What do you think? I think it's a disaster, Sam. Really? I think it's a disaster. Name the last good game he played. Yeah, it's been but a while. I'll name it for you. It was the, one of the games in the World Cup in 2014. 2014 was when he burst onto the scene. Yeah. And he's, He's signed for Real Madrid and he's been out on loan ever since. Yeah, he's not made an impact for a long time, has he? The other two signings, I think Alan's a fantastic signing. Horrible. I do. Horrible uh, player. Yeah, and I do think he's the type who will he will drag others around him to perform because he's a nasty, he's everything about him nasty. I, I love that as a signing and I love the kid they've signed from Wofford. I think he's top drawer him. I just think he balls up with James. Yeah, it 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 does. It smacks of the type of signing that doesn't fit into any type of strategy. It's just like, yeah, just just get him in, just just get him in. He's a big name, get him in. Whereas the other two, you look at it and you think, like I look at Everton, then I think, you know, if you you need to replace the goalkeeper, 
the, aside from talking about James, you need to replace the goalkeeper because he's 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 he reminds he's got a bang of David James off him. He can do some good things, but his concentration levels, his mentality seems weak, and he'll always let you down. So I just think there was rumours of Everton supposedly going for United number two Mare, uh, Romero, who I thought would have been a great signing for them. Um, but if if you said to me now Everton went and bought a goalkeeper and another centre back. Um, you know, to to complement the players they've already brought in, they've yeah. automatically addressed their spine. And once yeah. you do that, you know, wingers can you can chop and change wingers, you can change fullbacks. You know, Everton have got okay, you know, Dignity, I think is a decent fullback. Coleman still, you know, even though he's a bit leggy, he's still got life in him yet, and he's he's experienced. Yeah. If if Everton went, I'd be prioritising goalkeeper and centre back. Um, I would. But yeah, it just it kind of seems like the type of signing where. They've spent a lot of money. They've took a hell of a risk. Um, will it pay off? If I was a betting man, I'd say probably not. Um, yeah. But as I said, I think it, it definitely puts Everton on the map for players that probably yeah. didn't know who they were or, or you know didn't know much about them. Maybe it, it makes them a little bit more attractive as a proposition now. Yeah, I agree with that. So with that, mate, we are 52 minutes in. Uh, we, 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 the plan is always to keep these around 45 minutes to an hour. So we've, we're, we're well on point. So um, with that, buddy, thank you for your time as always. It's a pleasure to spend my Monday nights talking football with you. I'm looking forward to next week already. Take care, Paul. Thank you. No problem at all. Most importantly to everybody at home, uh, thank you for listening. Um, we've we've seen a real jump in the numbers um, since we've been able to get back pod, podcasting again regularly. So it, it really is amazing to see. So the one thing that's actually surprised us is we've seen people listening in such a range of countries that, you know, for me and Al and, and, and Christy, you know, talking bubbles, we, we certainly didn't think it's a reach as far as it has. So please do uh, stick with us. Um, we'll try and keep the podcast coming as regularly as we can. Um, we've been chatting to different guests about potentially coming on and joining us to give us some fresh perspectives, but me, Alan, Christy aren't going to be going anywhere and we're looking forward to, to the new season ahead. Uh, before I let you go, if I can ask one small favour, if you do like the podcast, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It does help it, help it to get noticed and get a bit more exposure. So if you get the chance, leave us five stars and a little comment and keep your messages coming in on social media. We do re- love hearing your thoughts on each podcast. So keep them coming. Right, so with that, that's enough from me. Thanks again. Thanks again to you, Al. And I hope you all have a fantastic week and we'll be back soon on the Boot Room Podcast. All the best.